Welcome to LifeQuest, a program that directs you to subjects and books that will make a difference in your life. A program that will make you think and strengthen your journey of faith in the 21st century. My name is Dwight Lanehoff. Today on LifeQuest, we welcome back Chip Ingram. He's the founder and CEO of Living on the Edge. That's an international teaching and discipleship ministry. He's been a pastor for over 35 years, and he is the author of a whole elephant full of books. And I'd like to talk with him about uh, one of his latest books. It's called I Choose Peace, How to Overcome Anxiety in a Stressful World. Chip, welcome back to LifeQuest. Dwight, great to be with you. You begin right at the beginning here, in the first page, about, well, you say something, I didn't grow up following Jesus. I went to church, but I never encountered God. And I met a lot of people who talked one way and lived another. Big influence on your life. Yeah, big, big, big influence. It made me, uh, you know, organize religion in general. I figured there was a God who made something. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was a lot like the people in the church I grew up in. I didn't, have, didn't want to have much to do with him. And uh, so it was really the... Uh, the profound living out of the faith by some uh, college professional athletes that caused me to open the Bible for the very first time when I was 18 years old, and uh, God spoke to me, and it was a very up-and-down journey for the first few years. I, would, yeah. I wouldn't recommend uh, my, my journey to a lot of people, um, but it, it's helped me understand people who you know, find themselves they're going to Bible study on Thursday night and hitting all the bars with the basketball team yeah. on Friday night and uh, having no peace as a result of that. So, um, yeah, that's how the book starts, and you know, I just wanted people to know uh, we're all in this together. And, I mean, here you are in your late teens, and you're exploring the Bible really on your own, and it was noticed, something was noticed by your father. Yeah, we, uh, I, uh, at that Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp, I... Uh, trusted Christ. I, I prayed a very, not very good theological prayer, but <laughs> I told the Lord whatever it meant for him to come into my life and whatever I'm supposed to do or want to do, but I need forgiven and I need new life, and uh, he answered that prayer. And I had an unexplained thirst for, um, you know, they gave us, I think it was a good news for modern man, and I put it right. under my pillow so my parents wouldn't think I was crazy. Mm-hmm. And not that they were anti, but just, you know, we were in a Bible-reading family. And I went away to college and met a bricklayer who was trained by the Navigators and got in a Bible study and began to grow spiritually. When I came home, my dad said, wow, you're different. I said, well, what do you mean? You know, well, no, you're really different. I said, Dad, I mean, there's nothing different. He said, no, there's a piece about you that I've never seen. Where did you get that? Uh-huh. And I, uh, I, was, I wasn't articulate enough to tell him, oh, this is the gospel. Uh, but I said, well, I, you know, I... I asked Christ to uh, forgive me and come into my life, and I uh, began reading the New Testament. So he began reading the New Testament. and So it was the, it was the peace in my life that yeah. uh, caused my father to really examine the Scriptures and later come to Christ. And very early on in, the, in your book, you say, peace is a person, not a condition. That's very significant, I believe. I think it is. I think we tend to think of uh, peace as when my circumstances and my desires and expectations align, then, ah, you know, 
If I only buy a house, I bought it. Right. Just find the right man or woman, etc. And Jesus said, my peace I give to you. And the peace he gave was the, the other comforter, the, the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, and that we can have peace uh, regardless of circumstances. And, and really, that's what Paul, in this book, he's writing to a group of people going through some challenging times and mm-hmm. writes from prison, and he says, you know, I can be at peace and in full contentment regardless of the circumstances, but there's a secret, and you have to learn it. And this book is really about how do you appropriate or tap into progressively this peace that we already have given to us by Jesus? I was looking here as you begin to exposit about about uh, Paul writing to the little church group in Philippi, and I'm remembering in the seventies some of the small churches I pastored, which were <laughs> difficult because everybody's related. <laughs> If you offend one, you've offended all. It it was just, uh, maybe it was a good training uh, experience. But that's what Philippi was, wasn't it? Absolutely. And, and I like you, I, I remember, I heard all about megachurches. Our, <laughs> our first church was a mini church. You know, yes. It was 35 people, 34 of which were related, you mm-hmm. know. And, yeah. uh, and, and you know what, it, it's, uh, but we, we really kind of read our world into the New Testament, even when Paul writes to Rome, um, our, our best research says it was probably, you know, dozens, if not scores, right. of tiny little house churches all over the place with all kind of different backgrounds and perspectives, and, you know, that's why we get such a comprehensive understanding that yeah. he says, hey, I need to pull everyone together. And Yeah, this is a little church going through challenging times, and he tells them, uh, conflicting relationships will rob your peace. Mm-hmm. Anxiety will rob your peace. Uh, the issues, circumstantially, uh, in their world, Rome, persecution, and you know, difficulty, challenges, terrorism, um, and then financial issues and pressures, or when God asks you to take a big step of faith, it's really interesting. Those are the areas that he says will rob your peace, mm-hmm. and that he teaches in that entire chapter, this is how you tap into the peace that you already have because you're in Christ. He actually mentions a couple of, of ladies who seem to have some sort of disagreement, and yet he doesn't try to point out this one's right and this one's wrong. Yeah, I love it. The first, uh, the first chapter, I think, is or, or two is on uh, finding peace in relational conflict. And, and some of the things that are just so obvious but wonderful are it's normal to have relational conflict. Yeah. He, he says both these ladies are great. They both love God. They both serve me. You know, maybe it's personality, maybe it's miscommunication, mm-hmm. and uh, but he gives a very clear path. Uh, you can't procrastinate, you may need outside help, you have to adjust your expectations, but here's the pathway to resolve relational conflict. And I just think with what's happened with COVID and people at home and kids at home and yeah. some kids back from college, boy, we have had hundreds if not thousands of emails because uh, as a ministry, we pray every day for right. the people who listen, and they, um, it is such conflict. Uh, I think a lot of people don't have peace because they're not getting along with people under their own roof, and so we really have the opportunity to, to address that. We all experience this, whether it's at work, or as you say, at home, or with neighbors, or extended relatives, the chances of getting into some kind of conflict and uh, losing some peace are pretty high. 
And I think what we all tend to do is procrastinate. You know, you know, I'll address that. You know, it, it was a big thing about last Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Or I think down deep, um, we, we really want to be right rather than have right relationships. Yeah. And he teaches us how to get the ego out of that and get reconnected with the people that we really want to be connected with. These major holidays, like you talk about Thanksgiving or, or Christmas, when extended family gets together, and I say to people, you know, everything went well ex- until someone said, what did you mean by that? And then it all goes downhill. Well, and, and think of even this last the season that we're in as well. Are you for yeah. mask or against mask? <laughs> are you a blue stater or red stater? Exactly. Are you an open church or closed church? I mean, it has been such conflict. The timing, you know how this works, Dwight. You know, that I turned in that manuscript well over a year ago, uh-huh. and it took a year to get all the way around to today. And I just think in God's sovereignty, as I meet people who are overwhelmed with anxiety and relational conflict and fears of the future, um, I'm, I'm thrilled that we can give them something that will really help them. And one of the things you say is refuse to allow one relationship to ruin your whole life, and you tie this also in with humility is the channel grace flows through. Yeah, there's sometimes we allow, you know, we get stuck, and, um, you know, it's that one person at church, or it's, uh, you know, if you have a number of kids, it can be one of your children, or uh-huh. if you're a child, it can be, you know, hey, this unresolved conflict with a father or a mother or aunt, you know, and I think at some point you have to say, as far as it depends on me, I've taken every step to try and resolve this, and then you release it, and you realize Again, it's adjusting expectations. Um, once you've humbled yourself and are willing to own, I call it more than 51% of the problem, mm-hmm. uh, rather than blame the other person, I think there are times where you say, you know what, uh, I'm not going to fixate on this. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to keep betting my head, head against the wall. I'm going to release this to the Lord, and uh, I'm not going to let that one relationship color everything. Because when there's bitterness and anger and unresolved conflict in one relationship, uh, it can just just pour out into other areas. And and, and to be sure, we're, we're not saying don't stuff it. You know, we're not saying, oh, don't deal with something. I'm saying mm-hmm. when you've done all that you know God wants you to do, that's when I think you need to release it. In Chapter 3, you say choose peace in a broken world. And then you ask the question straight away, what is your greatest fear right now? And as I looked at this list, you know, there's a whole bunch of things we really can't do anything about in the greater world. But you mentioned all these things that are anxieties in a variety of people's, you know, we're afraid of the future. What's going to happen with our kids? What about health? Maybe I'll never get married. You know, all of these things are just realities that have been going on for uh, centuries. And, and I think in a broken world now, it's uh, whether it's Afghanistan or terrorism or mm-hmm. COVID or a derivative. derivative. Yeah. Unlike in times past, um, where you lived in probably, a, even in a larger city, but in a small community, you had your problems, your family's problems, you knew about some of your neighbors and some of people at church. And, then, and we had three channels, you know, some can't even remember that. Now there's 250-some channels. They're scrolling their social media. A lot of people are overwhelmed with anxiety because their mental diet is feeding a pathway that absolutely news is designed to be sensational Mm -hmm. and grab your attention. 
And in 20 minutes or a half hour, you can hear of all the terrible things that happened literally all around the globe. Yeah. And God has made our minds where those, those are triggers that, oh, what about this, what about that? And yeah. you see the study that I, I mentioned there by the University of Tennessee where, you know, they had a group just listen to five minutes of negative radio for 12 years, uh-huh. five minutes a day. Wow. They were less likely to help people. They thought um, more harm and danger were going to come to them. Uh, they were more inwardly focused and outwardly focused. I mean, five little minutes. Yeah. I think many Christians are overwhelmed with anxiety because they're watching or scrolling or reading or posting about what's happening far more than they are taking in God's Word. And, and kind of, you got to limit um, the input that you get because, the you know, a million acts of kindness were not recorded on the nightly news. And, yeah. uh, God's doing a lot of beautiful things in the midst of the very challenging things. You, you don't deny, you don't act, put your head in the sand, right. but uh, I, I think it's super counterproductive. And that's why he says, let your mind dwell on these things. What's good? What's noble? What's excellence? What's beautiful? And, um, you know, there in the book I do something that's been helpful to me is I, I just put seven or eight questions that you ask yourself before you let it in your mind. Mm-hmm. And so it's a real practical way. Yeah. To say, okay, will this honor God? Uh, will this poison my soul? Will this cleanse my soul? Uh, will this inspire me or will this discourage me? So uh, hopefully those practical things can help people deal with just the broken world issues that we all have. We become very dogmatic and certain on a lot of things. And as you said earlier, we, we end up becoming so divided because we've taken these strong <laughs> opinions, and our opinion seems to be so important to us. But I'm thinking that in maybe past generations, we tended to read and do things that said, well, what are other people's opinions on this and that, uh, rather than uh, cementing our own viewpoints straight away on any topic in the world. I, I think you uh, are really accurate. I think we're very polarized, and in fact, we now have uh, algorithms that will keep reinforcing our bias. So whatever we log on and read, they're going to send us more of that. And uh, so I I think we're we're living in a day where learning to be above the fray, drawing near to God, uh, one of the challenges I give people when, you know, they say, I'm filled with anxiety, what about, you know, they just start naming all the different things many that they don't have control over. And I say, if you want to see your peace go up and anxiety go down, just do an experiment. 48 hours will we'll, we'll let you know it's true. Seven days will be like uh, a purge of your soul and your mind. No media for 48 hours. No TV, no Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, no, just, I mean, if you have to do email for, for work, but uh, no social media, um, no movies, no, no talk radio in the car. And take, take a little section, like Philippians chapter 4, maybe just verses 6 through 9 or 10, or, yeah. and, and meditate during those 48 hours instead of listening to all of that. And what pe- people just they feel their emotions start to unwind. And as they feed their mind and take a walk in nature and listen to some very positive, encouraging music, what they find is our thinking determines our emotions and our emotions so much form our behavior, and when we're feeling negative or anxious or depressed, we make bad decisions, which cause the negative cycle, and um, 
you know, there, there's times where we've eaten junk food and realized we need to go on a sort of a diet. Yeah. I think we need to go on a mental diet, and people will really experience uh, a, a change in their perspective that is very, very refreshing. In, in one of your chapters, you say, choose peace in difficult circumstances. And it struck me that when Paul is writing this, telling people to be content to resolve their relationships, he personally was in not very good circumstances, and yet he was able to give a message of peace beyond himself. Yeah, isn't that great? I mean, uh, what I love about the New Testament, this isn't, this isn't philosophy. God's Word is not just, here's a nice idea. This is a man who's in prison, uh, who has been beaten with rods three times, mm-hmm. who's had 39 lashes, I think it's five times, who's at, at least at one point was uh, all night, most of another day, in the sea. And he's writing from prison saying, I have learned to have God's peace or contentment in any and all circumstances. And... Uh, and by the way, that's that, you know, the verse that they put on T-shirts, you know, I can do all things through Christ yeah. who strengthens me, which often gets twisted to mean, you know, I can be a great dad, a great husband, <laughs> I can be successful, I can do anything. Well, the context is I can actually have peace, not be jealous, not be envious, and not be thinking about someday, if, when, or then. Yeah. I can actually have that. That's the strength that God gives. And I think it's really, in many ways, it's this mo- these moments of surrender where the Spirit of God, you know, over, you know, the Colossians passage says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And the word rule there is like an umpire. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you've been called into one body, and then be thankful. And so I think this is, God's peace is not only a gift, but can actually kind of act like a a barometer in your soul to let you know, ooh, you're depending on you now. You, you are you are into your world right now instead of God. Let me let me let me keep in step with the Spirit. What's what's this day going to look like? How do you want me to talk to my wife or my husband? Or you know, I've got a big meeting with my supervisor or my boss. Lord, what is it that? And so instead of the fear or anxiety or or the anger that pops up, the peace of Christ. Okay, what? How? how how do, how do you want me to respond to this? And when that peace leaves, I think it's a red flashing light saying, stop, yeah. listen. The book is I Choose Peace, How to Overcome Anxiety in a Stressful World. Talk a little bit in, in the last moments here that we have on uh, the format of the book. You have at the end of each chapter questions for discussion and reflection. Yeah, I wanted people to, you know, we've all read books, and unfortunately... Uh, you know, a couple, three months later, uh, unless we do something with it right away, most books don't have a lot of impact on our life. Yeah. And so I wanted to put some questions where people could could process privately and maybe even, you know, read it with someone else. And then at the very end of the book, so the, the chapters are, are fairly short, so you can get through them, and then you can reflect. And then at the very end of the book, what I find is so many people... Um, especially when it resonates, is I, I want to teach that to my home group, my Bible study, or my Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. And so I took my actual notes that I taught from before it became a book, and I put that in the back of the book so that, okay, oh, you know, I read the chapter, but here's the outline. Here's all the major points. This is where it came from. So if they want to pass that on, or if they want to review it uh, without reading the whole chapter, then it's kind of like, okay, 
because the goal of teaching God's Word, whether you speak it or write it, is uh, it's not information, although information is important, and it's not even inspiration, although we need that. It's transformation. And transformation doesn't happen unless we apply. Uh, the pedagogy of Jesus was respond to the light that I give you, you get more light. Don't respond to the light or the truth that God gives us. Even the light that we think we have gets taken away. So I just think it's so important that the format facilitates how do I put this into practice? And Because um, that's where God needs it. Pastor Ingram, where can our listeners get a copy of your book? Uh, you know, anywhere from uh, you know Amazon, the ChristianBooks.com, um, Living on the Edge, all one word, LivingOnTheEdge.org. I think we right, have it right on our um, uh, our page. You know, there's the website. Right. Uh, we have an app where uh, these messages, if people would want to listen to them as well, uh, it's just type in my name, Chip Ingram, in any app store. And they'll see, it'll pop up, and messages and short videos, everything's free on it. Um, our goal is to help people grow and uh, help Christians live like Christians. So any way uh, we can get it into their hands that helps them not just get it but pass it on, that's what we're trying to do. Pastor Chip, thanks for being with us on LifeCast again. Dwight, it's my joy. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to LifeQuest today. If you have questions or comments, you may send them to LifeQuest at lifetalk.net. My name is Dwight Lanehoff. This program comes to you from studios in the Meadowglade Church, Battleground, Washington. <laughs>